In 1649 to St. George's Hill A ragged band they called the diggers Came to show the people's well They defied the landlords They defied the laws They were the dispossessed Reclaiming what was theirs We come in peace, they said To dig and sow We come to work the land And come on hand to make the wasteland grow They said divided We will make gold So it can be a common treasury for all The sin of property we do disdain No one has any right to buy and sell yet For private gain by theft and murder They took the land Now everywhere the walls rise up at their command They make the laws to serve them well the clergy dazzle as we have an honey damn to hell We will not worship the God they serve The God of greater feeds the rich while poor men starve We work, we eat together, we need no sort We will not bow to masters or pay rent to the lords We are free men, though we are poor Ye diggers all stand up for glory, stand up now From the men of property the orders came they sent the hired men and troopers to wipe out the diggers claim Tear down their cottages, destroy their corn They were dispersed, only the vision lingers on Ye poor take courage, ye rich take care The earth was made a common treasury for everyone to share All things in common, all people won we come in peace, the order came to cut them down. Hello everyone. Yeah, I thought I'd start with something slightly different. Um, actually opening with a song instead of just closing with it. So there's going to be two songs today to make up with the fact that there wasn't one last week. Um, yeah, this is a, this is going to be a, a bit more of a vitriolic one. Um, I'm on my own today. Um, but I, I was really struggling to think of what to talk about for this podcast. And then I got chatting politics with a friend of mine, which is always going to, it's always going to end well, or it's always going to go well if, uh, if that's what, if that's your opener and especially anything to do with politics and me, because my politics is, uh, old school, I guess. Not old school in the sense of conservative or uh, traditional or anything like that. Old school in the sense that it's very firmly rooted about 400 years ago, around the time of the English Civil War. Um, that's the last time I've ever come across a group of people whose politics and ethics and the epoch that they were living in um, just sort of resonated with me. Um, it's also a sort of first instance of kind of what we'd now call radical left thinking at a time when it was literally unheard of and it was only because of the turbulence of the era and what was going on that sort of allowed for this kind of level of free thought and new ideas to come forward. I am, of course, talking about the English Civil War. And technically it's three civil wars we're talking about. Um... It's the three civil wars of England. It also includes wars in Scotland and in Ireland. Uh, but it generally all gets lumped together as the English Civil War or the British Civil War, even though Britain didn't exist at the time. Um, occurring in the 1630s to the 1640s, a uh, rough overview of what went on for those who were not taught about it in school or possibly don't know an awful lot about it. Um, in the 1630s, the king was a guy called Charles I, and he was a bit of a knob, is the only way of putting it. He was not a particularly effective ruler, he wasn't particularly strong. Um, he was trying to fight about three or four different wars um, going on at the time. There was a sea war, there was a war in Europe, um, there was threats from um, Spain, I believe, as well. And uh, he was not an effective ruler, he wasn't very good at diplomacy. He was a bit of a, uh, just a weak person, let alone a weak leader. Um, but to fight all these ridiculous wars that we didn't necessarily need to fight, but he felt like he had to kind of prove a point, uh, he needed money. And so he would frequently go to 
the House of Commons to Parliament and basically tell them to release funds so that he could fight these ridiculous wars that didn't need to be fought. Eventually Parliament turned around and went, no, sod off, we're not doing it, it's ridiculous, there's no need for this. Um, I am simplifying, I know there's a lot of people who are into history probably listening to this, um, but just, you know, for the, uh, for the sake of brevity, otherwise I'm going to spend the entire podcast just talking about the history of the English Civil War because it is one of my favourite points in British history just because out of it came most of the stuff that we know now. But to get back to the point, Parliament said no to Charles I, we're not giving you money. So Charles I shut down Parliament and kicked everyone out. Um, on the basis of a very ancient idea that uh, there was a divine right of kings. That's, that is, whatever a monarch wanted to do, they should be allowed to do it because they're infallible, because they are the next best thing to God. This, at a period when um, there were a lot of religious reforms going on, we're only talking maybe a hundred or so years after the Reformation, so after um, Henry VIII basically kicked the Catholics out of Britain and uh, well, certainly made a lot of nuns and monks homeless when the Church of England was still just forming, when it was still getting its act together. There were a lot of people on the sort of Protestant side that felt like it wasn't going strong enough, that it wasn't Protestant enough, that it could be a lot more Protestant, a lot more severely religious. And so you ended up with all these various religious groups that sort of culminated and were bubbling up out of that miasma of people trying to find their way in a, in a whole new kind of religious political landscape. And the king claiming that he had the divine right to rule, that he was the next best thing to God, wound them the fuck up. It angered swathes of the country. And of course, Parliament was full of these sort of new Anglican, new Protestant, um, which then became known as Puritan groups. Um, violently and aggressively um, uh, weren't going to stand for this. We're not going to stand for this. And so the, the king and parliament went to war. You know, war was declared and the two sides drew up their particular armies. The really ridiculous thing about the civil war, the English civil war especially, is you had, it was, it was effectively the crown versus the state. And the state and the crown, as far as their armies were concerned, were essentially identical. As far as equipment and uniform and being able to visually recognise each other. So for the first few battles of the Civil War, they tended to go into battle wearing exactly the same uniforms, exactly the same outfits. This, this idea we were taught in school about how the roundheads had a, had a different kind of hair cut, they, wanted, they had a different type of helmet and that's how you could tell the difference. No, 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 both sides looked roughly the same um, as far as sort of cavaliers wearing the big hats and stuff that was just what was super trendy at the time and there were a lot of parliamentarians that still considered themselves you know trendy and on the ball and were part of the establishment um, they just sided with parliament and so you had this ridiculous thing of people going into battle that a lot of the time were the same families as well um, very famously there's one particular family that just split right down the middle between those who sided with the crown and those who sided with parliament and so you had this ridiculous situation where uncles were fighting nephews and brothers were fighting brothers and fathers were fighting sons and and it was it was chaotic as you can imagine it was a truly chaotic period in our history and from that chaos came a lot of people with dreams and ideas of of Okay, so we've got this, we're in this situation where we can turn over the old order, where we can switch it around, and we can put into place systems that might actually work for the people. Now, for, for the first time in our history, collectively, out of feudalism, out of uh, centuries of thousands of years of tribal leadership that was expanded and contracted and granted and taken away, that, that possibly we could come to a point where maybe, maybe, people could lead themselves. The people could be left to, to live their own lives and and make choices and, and, and own land and live in harmony. But out of that came, came warfare, came the most bloody, awful, horrendous warfare that, that British, well, English people sort of waged against themselves and against each other. On the royalist side, you had the old guard of people that were mostly Catholic, it has to be said, mostly... Um, old world in the sense that they backed the king because that's all they've uh, all they've ever known that were 
that liked being on top, that liked being affiliated with the rich, that liked uh, that that were loyal to their various landlords and and um, and leaders and such. And on the other side were radical groups such as um, such as the Levelers, uh, not the band. Um, I'll talk about them in another podcast. Um, but uh, the original Levelers, you had the Diggers. They had uh, the, uh, from that came um, a truly vile person that we would later learn um, a bit more about who uh, went by the name of Oliver Cromwell and he actually formulated a whole new army which then became known as the New Model Army and yes yeah, so I'm, I'm this is a very potted history of the Civil War there are several battles fought long and the short of it is royalists lost um, mostly through bad tactics mostly through their own soldiery decided to turn their backs on them because you've got to imagine that it's as far as the old girl were concerned they had tenant farmers and they had people that were under them that they basically ordered to fight for them they didn't necessarily want to fight at all so there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of battles and a lot of uh, a lot of skirmishes and such that were won simply because the royalists scattered because their own forces didn't want to fight for them anymore because they just wanted to get home to their families and it's understandable i mean this war went on for five six years on and off um it's very hard to sort of pin down because there was so much happening within the the turmoil of the civil war itself you had you had uh, the witch hunts uh, the very famous sort of matthew hopkins witch hunts were going on you had uh groups like the diggers who were essentially an anarchist back to the land organization that that existed before anarchists were even considered a thing in the sort of 19th century, 18th, late 18th, early 19th century. Um, they were peaceful and all they wanted was for people to have the right to live lives unencumbered, unhindered by land barons that just saw them as free labour. Um, the reason I'm talking about this and the reason I've brought it up and the reason I've called this podcast The World Turned Upside Down is because there's a, a definite streak happening at the moment. There's a definite vein of, shall we say, civil unrest in the wake of things like Brexit and in the wake of social upheaval as it seems to be happening in the last 20 years that is starting down the same road that led, I believe, that led to the Civil War. We had... Um, Massive amounts of, of kickback and fear and 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 aggression um, towards sort of the left versus the right, I suppose. I mean, you could track it all the way back to kind of social policies and such in the 90s, uh, which has then led to this, I suppose, a kind of a digital version of what was going on in England in the 1630s. In, in England in the 1630s, with these, this new religious thought, um, it's basically the same sort of thing, only instead of it being religious, I believe it's more secular, and I believe it's showing signs of, with the exact same sort of level of conviction and, 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 and passion, and, and uh, there's a lot of people who, are, who want the world to be a better place. And they want to be a better, the world to be a better place, but on their terms. And whether those terms are left-leaning or right-leaning, you have this this very strange situation where you can say the country is very much divided. Absolutely. I think anyone with half any sort of vague awareness of what's going on around them could easily say that with the with the level of of aggression, seething aggression of of vitriol and hatred, which, you know, is, is very, very evident online. I think anyone can say that you go onto any any sort of forum or any kind of public comment section or anything else like that online. You know, there's a lot of people who are very pissed off and they're all snapping and snarling at each other. And again, it, it depends on which end of the spectrum they fall under, whether they're vehemently you know um, left wing whether they're sjw's whether they're alt-right whether they're uh, you know um, a sort of 
or whether they're just trolls. I mean, this is another thing that people sort of forget when it comes to online discourse is that for a lot of people that kick off like that, it can just be because they're pissed off and they want to have a go at someone. They don't even necessarily believe what they're saying. They just want to fight. But then there is lots of signs pointing towards growing civil unrest in the real world, as in groups of people clashing quite nastily, quite violently. Um, you look at what's happening in France with the Yellow Jackets, uh, you look at, well, whilst not necessarily violent, there is a definite undercurrent of unrest in Europe, in Britain. And, of course, in Britain, you can point squarely at Brexit. Brexit was the tipping point, if you like. It was the, or the touch paper, I suppose. So in the sense of the of the Civil War, or in the prelude to the Civil War, that the touch paper was the crown demanding money from the people to fight wars that the people didn't want to fight in, Brexit is, for a lot of people, it was a protest vote. And for a lot of people, it's um, it was a point of contention in their sort of way of looking at the world to say, I'm sick of the old order. I'm sick of the way we've been doing things. I'm just going to throw this out there to shit things up. I, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disavowing the idea that there are people who genuinely believe in Brexit. That is a good idea. Um, I myself voted Remain, but I voted Remain purely on the basis that uh, I, I myself am actually anti EU. I'm anti. I'm anti-government, is what it boils down to. I'm anti. I'm anti-systematic government. I'm, an, I'm anti-centralized government. I'm. I, I do not believe that that you can you can cure the problems of the modern world by more government, by more control, by by centralizing that control to a to a greater level that moves further and further away from the hands of the people themselves. I'm a libertarian. This is this is where it comes into. So I'm anti-Europe, but I'm anti-Europe in the sense of we shouldn't ha it shouldn't have to exist and I understand why it did come into existence but I don't think the way to deal with it is by throwing our toys out of the pram collectively as a nation and just shitting it all off you don't it's it's the old argument of if you're unhappy in a job or you're unhappy in a relationship you don't just fuck it off and leave without having some sort of plan in place so whilst I understand the sentiments behind Brexiteers you know what it is sensible Brexiteers want, because I, I do have to draw that distinction, that's what I mean. There are people that are just pro-Brexit because they know it will piss off the left. There are people that are pro-Brexit because they don't like brown people, and other sort of really ignorant reasons like that. But I'm anti-centralised I'm anti centralized government, so that's why I'm anti-Europe, but at the same time I'm voting Remain, because you can say you don't want to be part of this system, but unless you've got an alternative set up, it's the best system we've got at the moment. It's like with the... with the votes for independence in Scotland was exactly the same thing. I fully in favour. Scotland, Scotland wants to be wants to devolve power and become independent. Absolutely, I think that power and independence should be devolved to a personal level. I think we should all liberate ourselves from from this kind of from state control. I actually honestly do. But but you don't just do it when you don't have a plan in place. You've got to work it out and you've got to set, you, you know, you have to thrash these things out. It's like getting divorced, you know, you you can't sort of barrel in with, with nothing backing you up because you're either just going to have to stick it out even though you're unhappy or or you get fucked, basically. Or you end up sleeping on your mate's sofa wearing your, wearing your mate's trousers because you don't have any of your own clothes because your ex burnt them all. But that aside and trying not to go too far off topic... The topic is basically, and the reason I always say the topic is well turned upside down, and it is the world does feel like it's being flipped completely. It feels like some sort of huge socio-political pole shift is going on. People are pissed the fuck off. People are angry. People are not happy with the way the things are going at the moment because it's not fucking working. You can lay it at the foot of boom and bust economies. You can say it's to do with social policies, too, uh, too clawing, too, too, too all-pervading. You can put it at the feet of screaming social justice warriors. You can put it at the feet of screaming alt-right. You can, you know, the, the politics become so binary that it's actually become a horseshoe shape that both sides are screaming at each other and saying exactly the same thing when they have exactly the same attitudes. Because that's my argument. And... 
it has just led to the most insane situation, the same policies. No one knows where the fuck any of us stand anymore. And 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 this again, this was the unease and this was the worry and this was the stress that people were going through before the state and the crown in England decided that they were going to start kicking each other's asses. Like, no one knew what was going on. No one knew what was going to happen. The actual ballad, The World Turned Upside Down, was written in the wake of of Parliament banning Christmas. And it seems like that's a bit of a, a weird place to leap to, having spoken about the Civil War. But then... Um, I haven't quite finished talking about the Civil War. I, I got distracted. I'm so sorry. This is a bit of a free-form one. As I say, I was having a, having a hard time trying to think of what to talk about. So, to organise my thoughts, um, that I feel like what we're going through at the moment is essentially the same sort of thing that people were going through before the Civil War started. Um, but anyway, well, back to the Civil War. It's on its way. It's going. And eventually, Parliament win because of the Royalists not being very good and not having a very loyal army or or so on because you know that that's what happens when you essentially invest in slave labor and you treat your slaves like shit funnily enough they're going to turn around and go no we're not going to have it anymore we're going to side with these guys because they actually seem to care at least seem to care at the time about what we want and need as a people rather than what you want and need as a landowner so um charles I was captured he was kept prisoner and in a very, again, a very truly surreal, bizarre turn of events, was tried for treason. We are possibly the only country in Europe that ever tried its monarch for treason, for crimes against the crown. How does that work? Well, it's it was a very loopy bit of legalese that, uh, that the lawyers went through. And the leader of the New Model Army, Cromwell, eventually then became parliamentary leader and sort of led the the, the legal argument and the, the, the prosecution against the king. Um, it eventually culminated in, obviously, Charles I being beheaded. And again, so tried for treason and the, 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 you know, the, the punishment for treason in England at that time was, it was being hung wrong and quartered. They settled on just chopping his head off. You know, figuring that was that was probably enough, and it was a very weird execution in itself because apparently a huge crowd. This, is, this happened in Whitehall, and anyone that's been to London knows how, how you know Whitehall, how big Whitehall is. So there were a lot of people there to see this, and apparently no one cheered. And usually at, at executions and beheadings and stuff, it was a public spectacle, and a lot of time you, you know they're executing quite vile criminals that deserved it. And so, you know, the head come off, it's like, hey, that's like the, the you know, the, the that's that's the big finale, you know? But when they executed Charles I, no one cheered. Apparently there were a few gasps went up and a few women started crying because what even the hell was going on? You've got to imagine that, that this had never, ever been done before. This was a hundred years, well, 100 plus years before the French Revolution when they were chopping off all the, the heads of state off. They were getting rid of all the knobs, but you know this this was this was scary for a lot of people. I'm sure even the people sort of like pushing the prosecution against Charles were sort of thinking, "Is this right? Is are we doing the right thing? I feel like we might be doing the right thing. We might not. I mean, you 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 know you read the accounts and stuff as truly odd and truly upsetting. I would have thought for a lot of people. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I think, think they did get the name of the executioner written down somewhere. And I'm, I'm sure even talking, you know, if you spoke to him, he'd be like, "This is, this is a very weird gag. This is, this is a very weird. Sorry, not gag. Gig. This is a very weird gig for me. I've never been asked to do this before." So, um, yeah, Charles was beheaded, and his head was put on a pike, and uh, but he was given a proper funeral. And we ended up in a situation where we didn't have a monarch. So, of course, Ollie stepped up to the plate, didn't he, Oliver Cromwell? Thinking, you know, he was doing everyone a favour and became, you know, quite famously, uh, king in all but name um, was the was the, was the the sort of popular tagline. But he named himself the Lord Protector. And as the Lord Protector, um, the sort of period in, in English history became known as the Protectorate. Um, but as Lord Protector, he was 
a very staunch um, Puritan, vehemently Protestant, aggressively, radically Protestant. And part of Protestant um, kind of ethics and, and belief involves uh, this sort of, you know, aggressive hatred of anything that they consider papacy or papal or um, superstitious, but specifically Catholic. He, he did not agree with, with, with anything that even looked vaguely Catholic, that, that felt vaguely Catholic. And of course, part of that involved being aggressively against Christmas. You know, Christmas was seen, and is still seen by some Christian religious groups, as not actually a Christian festival. Because technically it isn't. Um, but at the time it was, you know, people did it because it was fun, because it was nice, because it brought the world together, everyone felt comfortable with it. But because the Puritans were in power, because these these kind of religious nutters had taken over... And it decided that Christmas was was papal. Christmas was pagan. Christmas was wrong, and and it shouldn't be allowed. They actually banned Christmas. They actually made Christmas illegal. And in the wake of that, a ballad was written called "The World Turned Upside Down," and I'm going to read it to you because it's my podcast. And fuck you. <laughs> Listen to me, and you shall hear. News has not been this thousand year since Herod, Caesar, and many more. You never heard the like before. Holy days are despised, new fashions are devised, old Christmas is kicked out of town, yet let's be content, and the times lament, you see the world's turned upside down. The wise men did rejoice to see our Saviour Christ's nativity, the angels did good tidings bring, the shepherds did rejoice and sing, let's all holy men take example by them, why should we from God laws be bound, yet let's be content, and times lament you see the world turned upside down. Command is given, we must obey, and quite forgot old Christmas day. Kill a thousand men, or a town regain. We shall give thanks, and praise amain. The wine pot shall shall clink, and we shall feast and drink, and then strange motions will abound. Yet let's be content, and times lament, you see the world's turned upside down. Our lords and knights and gentry too, do mean old fashions to forego. They set a porter at the gate that none must enter into threat. They count in a sin when poor people come in. Hospitality is self in drowned. Yet let's be content and times lament you see the world's turned upside down. The serving men do sit and whine and think it long ere dinner time. The butler's still out of the way, else my lady keeps the key. The poor old cook, the larder doth look, where is no goodness to be found. Yet let's be content, and times lament, you see the world's turned upside down. To conclude, I'll tell you news that's right. Christmas was killed at Naseby fight. Charity was slain at the same time. Jack, t- Dac- Jack Tell troth to a friend of mine. Likewise then did die, roast beef and shepherd's pie, pig, goose and capon nor quarter found. Yet let's be content, and times lament, you see the world's turned upside down. I wasn't going to sing that as it was, just because the tune itself is Yankee Doodle Dandy. I think most people know that. Um, but, I, you know, I didn't really feel like singing. I feel it works better as a sort of spoken prose. But to give you a breakdown of that, obviously the first sort of couple of verses are just talking about how straight up how Christmas has been shut down. That that's it. We're not allowed to enjoy ourselves. We're not allowed to feast and have fun. The sort of last three stanzas talk specifically about how Christmas used to be celebrated in uh, in a sort of pre-Civil War era England, where it was actually quite customary for, you know, lords and ladies to invite the the folk from the village, the, the sort of the, the, the um, tenant farmers and their families into the big house to enjoy Christmas with them. It was considered part of charity, it was considered, you know, part of the traditions. And even they were told, you know, don't let it happen. And that, in fact, what Puritanism did, it drove people towards what we'd now call a sort of culture of greed, of of barring the doors and, and not letting the common folk in because it's your wealth, why should you share it? And, you know, Puritanism especially, but Protestant, Protestantism, as it then became through Anglic- Anglic- Anglicism, Anglicanism, was essentially a faith that said 
where Catholicism would say if you were rich, as long as you did good deeds, as long as you gave to charity, as long as you shared the wealth, then you'd get into heaven, that's fine. But Protestantism turned the whole thing on its head and said, no, 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 wealth means I'm blessed by God. And if I share my wealth, I won't be wealthy anymore. So ideas of charity and and hospitality just, just went by the wayside. And again, from that, you can you can see the roots, the bud of, of capitalism. And this idea of just making the most money becomes the thing that's, that, that makes you a good person, that makes you a worthwhile person, because you work hard and you earn money, and that's all that matters. Which says it all, really. Um, but the, the whole world turning upside down is because... You know, I mean, in that, in the instance of the song itself, which then became a march, which was then used um, by English soldiers at the uh, during the American War of Independence, uh, British soldiers, sorry, during the War of Independence. Um, yeah, it's well turned upside down because, you know, how can you have a problem with a fucking holiday? How can you have a problem with with a festival that that tells people that it's all right to have a good time when when people when you know rich people fling their doors open for the poor people and everyone shares and gives gifts and it's why is that a bad thing why has that been outlawed what what's going on we've murdered a king we've killed all our old traditions everyone's forced to you know, there's the, there's the line where it talks about uh, new fashions um that sort of been devised that meaning that. Um, part of Puritanism means that you don't dress ostensibly. You don't you don't dress to impress. You don't wear feathers in your hat. You don't wear bright colours. You don't wear fine lace. You you dress modestly. And this was forced on the people during the Protectorate. This was you know people who who dressed extravagantly were mocked and they had shit thrown at them. You know this this actually happened. So it was considered best practice to sort of dress very severe and you know black suits and, the, and you know plain collar and a plain hat and all the rest of it. You got to imagine these were these were religious nutters with very strict ideas, but you know none of them were particularly nice or good or friendly or or you know helped the people in any way, shape or form. It was just this this idea that that this was the only way that they could push society forward was by being you know strict and miserable and regimented. Um, it's I you know. It's it's it's. I've kind of lost my my footing a bit. <laughs> this is what happens when I try and put together a podcast with only, you know, just off the hoof rather than, you know, stick to my notes and stick to one of my sort of pre-existing plans. But yeah, um, so the protectorate didn't work particularly well, and eventually Cromwell died of syphilis. I will point out, you know, this this sort of staunch Puritan strictly religious, somehow managed to find the time to catch syphilis, which then killed him, which, by the way, is, is a sexually transmitted disease, for those that don't know. Um, and eventually the protectorate crumbled. Um, Cromwell's son tried to take over for a bit, but he, he was seriously weak as a leader, and he, he couldn't he couldn't hack it, so he, he gave up. And eventually they invited the uh, the king back, and he became Charles, uh, that's Charles' first son, who was Charles II, and um, he was known as the Merry Monarch. It, it ushered in an era of, of essentially a decade of parting, which was then trounced by like the plague and the fire, you know, the Great Plague and the, uh, the Black Death, and the, well, yeah, yeah, the plague of 1660 and uh, the Great Fire of London and such. But prior to that, you a lot of people. I keep going back to this point. There was a lot of people who were very scared. They were trying new things, that were trying new modes of thinking, new ways of behaving, and new new paradigms and new and stuff like that. And it frightened a lot of other people who just wanted things to go back to the way they were. But at the same time, the the people in charge, the ones at the top, didn't seem to have a handle on it. They didn't seem to, to have the reins anymore. There was a a, a very real sense among the, sort of the common man that and I use men to mean humans, by the way, before anyone starts kicking off about that. Like, man is technically a gender-neutral word, because it's a truncation of human. Um, but the common folk... That was probably better. The common folk were not... Um, were not happy with what was happening. And 
within that that kind of confusion and in in that panic and in that 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 that's um in that sort of environment of 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 panic and confusion and worry um when no one seems to know what's going on you turn to things like religion and you turn to things like politics to to sort of keep you grounded to keep you you develop convictions you develop ideas and you develop um politics and and uh, and, uh, and uh, lifestyles and such that you think is the best way forward and then in a in a in a panic and in a in a sense of because we are all just frightened monkeys i think we've talked about this before humans are just frightened monkeys we're sentient bags of water that don't quite know how we got here but here we are and we need the social um we need the social approval that, that our ideas and our behaviour and everything else is right because we're social animals. You know, we, we need that. And yet that need for social approval, that need for, for guidance, that need to, you know, that we're, we're tribal animals and we're used to living in these tiny groups with very strong leaders. In the absence of that, we will go to anyone who seems a little bit charming or a little bit capable and will swallow every fucking thing they say and those people who are charming those people who've got that kind of uh, that sway those people who are in charge those people at the top those people whose voices are the loudest do not necessarily have our best interests at heart now when it came to the civil war and what drove ordinary people to take up arms against their own family members in some cases was you know staunch religious and political convictions and especially when it came to the crown versus parliament the the new religious the the the, the puritans the parliamentary the, you know the, they ended up joining the parliamentarians um because they represent you know the, the, this 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 universal hatred for the catholic for the decadent for the old guard for the old way of doing things it was it was a unifying stance they probably wouldn't have sided with parliament had that not been the case and it's also worth pointing out as well that when we talk about the royalists versus the parliamentarians there were a lot of members of parliament who sided with the royalists and at the same time there were a lot of people in the gentry who sided with the parliamentarians so again it was this idea of sort of very clear-cut dividing lines between who was who and for what reason blurred horrifically that's what i mean entire noble families split in half because literally half of them thought that the, that the king was in the wrong and the king was in the wrong for waging war against the people effectively and the other half saying well the king is god incarnate and we have to go by what the king says it does kind of make you think though if the king is god incarnate why does he need an army to fight for him but yeah that's 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 modern logic and and um, a, a sort of non-spiritual way of looking at things. But, um, yeah. I guess what I wanted to get at with this is that it is kind of a warning for the future. And it could be the immediate future. It could be the very near future. It could be for right now, for anyone that's listening to this. The way the system is going, the way the state is going... It isn't working. It isn't working for us. The way we live as people isn't working for us. But the way that the state is currently operating, the 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 capitalist, atheist, um, sort of a-religious, I should say, because it's it's not fair to say that everyone in, in government is is an atheist. That's not the that's not the case at all. But it is primarily profit driven. The whole thing is profit driven. It's about overheads. It's about making money. It's about about keeping things ticking over the way they are and and um, as I was talking to my friend I was talking about um, the systems that the, 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 that we have in place now that have technically worked for thousands of years under different guises and why the majority of us are loathed by the minority who are in control and this was the case in the 1630s this is the case now Ordinary people are fodder. I, I, I don't wish to necessarily make anyone feel depressed or put upon by that. 
but it is worth bearing in mind that the majority of us are just a, a group, we're just a mob, we're just a, 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 a cloud of humanity, if you like. Um, and this goes back to the to the Occupy movement and the one percent and the and all these. Uh, there we go. Sorry, an actual thread is, is, you know, a coherent thread is sort of formulating as I'm talking. So you've got the Occupy movement and you have the, there was the, the, the um, Stop the War Coalition in the early 2000s. You have the counterculture generally, which has always been um, kind of pro-people, anti-state. And then you have um, groups like Antifa, the anti-fascists. And the problem with groups like the anti-fascists is they seem to, th- they operate under this, if anyone that doesn't know what the anti-fascists are, the anti-fascist movement are essentially, you know, anti, literally that, they're anti-fascists. Unfortunately, the methods they use to fight fascists, fight fascists, involves violence. Now, uh, a hallmark of fascism is is the violent suppression of opposing ideas. So I don't quite understand how you can call yourself anti-fascist when you behave like a fascist. But that's 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 another debate for another time. But what has happened is you have bigger and bigger, angrier and angrier, violent, thuggish groups. Both claim that they're in the right. Both claim that they are, they are for the people or for the common man or um, for, you know, certain ideals. But they are essentially indistinguishable from each other. And this goes back to my first point about the Civil War. Both sides were exactly the fucking same. They were the exact same people. A lot of them came from the exact same families. They came from the exact same towns. Neighbours were fighting neighbours. People who, who grew up together. People who, who you know, further up the, the social echelon, that went to school together, went to university together, now suddenly fighting and hating and trying to murder each other. Why? because of some higher ideal, because of some conviction that what they were doing was right, because they were frightened, because things had gone horribly fucking wrong, and they were terrified that the world that they knew was 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 slipping away from them. And they were either fighting to keep it or fighting to change it into something better. But what we have now is a lot of disparate people that have swallowed the pills fed to them by mass media. You have a lot of angry, frustrated, you know, people who are in abject poverty, people who are in the people who are, and I'm not exaggerating, people that are on the brink of death because of policies enacted by this government that have forced them into situations where they literally have to decide: Do I want to be warm this week, or do I want to eat? You know, can I can I bathe myself, or you know, do, do, do I need my medicine, or do I have to pay for my medicine? You know, it's 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 obscene. It is terrifying, and what is happening is people are still stuck in the mindset that the people that are to blame for this are foreigners, scroungers, in fact, any group of people that are weaker and less better off than they are. Because when people start screaming about immigrants and about how immigrants are coming here and they're doing this, that and the other, and by people, I mean newspapers. I mean newspapers owned by one particular family. I mean newspapers owned by a handful of people telling you that the reason your life is shit is because this tiny, 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 minuscule proportion of people that are coming here that are desperate, that are fleeing actual war zones, that they're the reason why your life sucks... You take a step back and think about that. How does that fucking work? Oh, they're coming here and taking all the jobs and that's why I haven't got a job. No, it isn't. Because that poor fucking family that are fleeing rape and murder on a daily basis, they're not coming here because they think, oh, I can get a free house and oh, I can get, you know, I'll get given a job just because I'm from uh, this particular impoverished group. That is not what's happening. They come here, they have no rights. They have no freedoms. But they do have the opportunity to live here quietly for at least a few days without the threat of someone kicking their door down and murdering them in their bed. But, but, a lot of people are pissed off with them. A lot of people who are downtrodden. A lot of people who are literally under the boot 
of the state in uh, because of reasons that are beyond their fucking control but then the state is leaning down and through the media through mass media through this particular avenues of mass media through particular people leaning down bending it and just tweaking your ear of society and saying no it's it's because of them it's not us it's them over there they're the ones to blame so they vote for Brexit because it will, quote, get rid of the brown people. They'll vote for Brexit because they're told it will put money into the NHS. And maybe, maybe, finally, they'll get that fucking, um, that surgery that they've been desperate for and waiting for for 14 months. Maybe then their lives will improve. And it still fucking doesn't. Do you know why? Because it's all lies. It's all lies and it's all bullshit. And it's all designed to keep you fucking down. To keep you down, frightened, miserable and poor. Do you know why? Because if you're frightened, miserable, and poor, you will do anything those fuckers tell you. You will do anything that jackbooted son of a cunt will fucking tell you. And when that jackbooted son of a cunt came to our ancestors 400 years ago and said, you've got to fight for me because I'm on the side of God. And you know the reason your life is terrible and why, why your children are, are, you know, are going to have, gonna have a, a, a lead bolt put through their head? Do you know why that is? It's because of them. Because of them over there. What? Them over there? Yeah. You mean our neighbours? Yeah. You mean my family? Yeah. They want to keep you down. Because they just see you as cattle. Because they want this from you. Because they want your money. Because they want your loyalty. It's the same fuckers saying the same shit and they've been saying the same shit for a thousand fucking years you want to look around and you want to see who the enemy is oh, the enemy it you've got to think about what's their end goal what's their end game what do they get out of this deal now whether that deal is brexit or whether that deal is money from parliament 400 years ago doesn't matter who benefits from this? Who really benefits from you being so fucking angry and aerated and racist and horrible that you will spit vile hatred towards your fellow fucking man for no other reason than they're from a slightly different bit of the rock that you happen to live on? What are they getting out of you being so devoid of empathy that you can't look at someone that's 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 in a supposedly civilised country that cannot feed themselves, that cannot keep themselves warm, and look at them and go, well, they deserve it, they should just work harder, they're scroungers. Who benefits from that? I'll tell you what, it's not you. It's certainly not that person you're attacking. Who is it that benefits from pitching us against each other? Who is it that benefits from this group of violent fuckheads fucking up this other group of violent fuckheads? Who benefits? Whoever benefited? Who, ben who benefited 500 years ago? Who benefited 600 years ago? Who benefited 1,000 years ago? It's the same five evil fuckers at the top. The same 1%. The same fuck... You know, jokingly last week I talked about reptilians and lizard monsters, but I and I've always said the same thing. I completely understand why people will look at those, those sort of... That, 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 that top tier of society and say they can't be human. Whatever they are, they can't be human because that's not how human beings behave. Unfortunately, sometimes it is. But it is the most base, despicable, weak, pathetic, terrible, like, just, just, you'd feel sorry for them if they weren't so fucking powerful. You'd feel sorry for them for being that pathetically bitter and twisted and, and self-involved. You would. But these people own whole countries. They own... They own people's lives. If you think about what happens to these poor... The, the, the poor and the desperate that lived in the, countries and the countryside and lived in these tiny villages in England in the 1630s. Ordinary people that were just trying to, to grow their own food and live their own lives. And in comes this army, this, this, this hired band of thugs. 
and at the head of them is some cunt, and it doesn't even matter which side of the, the battle he was on, it was always some cunt, and they'll commandeer the land, and they'll commandeer the house, and they'll claim it for themselves, under their particular banner, for their particular prize, for their particular ends, and at no point would that poor family ever have any fucking say in it. No point. In 1066, William the Bastard, William the Conqueror, he was always known as the Bastard, for very good fucking reason, decreed in Magna Carta that by right of conquest, all of the lands of England, which eventually became all of the lands of Britain, are owned solely by the Crown. All land that we live on in this country is not owned by us. You, you think you own your house and the land that it's on. Technically, yeah, or at least in, a, in the manner of speaking of you're responsible for it. But you yourself, you do not own that land. and You do not own that house. Legally, by law, by the statute books, as they exist currently, it is owned by the Crown. You are given that land by decree by the crown. Queen Liz owns your house. Queen Liz owns your land. You don't. And that's just how things have been, as I say, in this country for thousands of fucking years. But for one tiny, brief, chaotic period, there were groups of people trying, trying desperately to claw it back. They tried to write a constitution to keep those keep laws in place to keep to, to ensure that people could own their own land and keep it for posterity, keep it for their children, keep it for their ancestors. And it was torn away from them. It was torn away from them during the chaos of war. A war which no one won, really. In which one side took the reins for a short while and still managed to absolutely fuck it up. But that was the crown versus the state. That was the two heads of a hydra that has so many heads I can't even begin to count at this stage. If you're, as I say, if you're into conspiracy theories and you listen to last week's episode, you could sort of say, well, yeah, there's, there's like one family or there's a cabal of seven people and they're the only ones that run everything. Then you could look at it that way or you could look at things pragmatically and say, well... There's a lot more of us than there are of them. And we can keep snarling and snapping and scrapping and fighting with each other. We can keep pitching ourselves against each other. We can keep tearing chunks out of each other online because we're frightened and we're angry and we're pissed off. And, you know, despite having good jobs, there's so, so many people that earn re reasonably good money that can barely afford to fucking live. And that's, that's not brown people's fault that's not old people's fault that's not sick people's fault that's not poor people's fault it's no one's fucking fault but it is someone's design and we all know who those someone is and we all know who they are but the way we tackle it is not by going by 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 butting heads with each other because that's what they want they want us fighting each other so that we don't notice that they're the ones doing this and it's the people that you voted for. It's the people that you claim represent you. And I don't give a fuck which side of the spectrum you fall on politically. They are all evil. They, none of them give a shit about you. And it doesn't matter how loudly they'll proclaim that they do. It doesn't matter if they're Labour. It doesn't matter if they're Tory. It doesn't matter if they're Liberal Democrats. It doesn't matter if they're Green Party. They will tell you that they care about you. That they care about your rights. That they care about poor people. That they care about people who are vulnerable and and need help and they'll claim they'll claim that they'll do everything they can to make your life easier will they fuck they will tell you anything you want to fucking know so it gives you some semblance of control over the system some semblance of involvement in a society that you have no fucking say in i opened the podcast with a song called uh, "The World Turns Upside Down," which was not the same as the poem was as the song, the original song that I uh, that I read out to you. But it was written by a chap called Dick. Uh, well, written and performed by a chap called Dick Gahan. Uh, that's uh, G A U 
G-H-A-N. Uh, there was a version of it done by Billy Bragg, but I wouldn't wipe my ass with Billy Bragg. Fucking sam- champagne socialist prick. And I don't like his voice either, so... <laughs> but I opened with that, and I went with that to start with. Um, by all means, go and pick up a copy of Well Turned Upside Down. Um, again, from your usual digital and real-world outlets. It's a lovely folk, folk musician and lovely folk song. But I'm going to end on something a bit more rabble-rousing. I'm going to end on a track that, as always, got my blood pumping. And the thing is, though, unfortunately, probably like a lot of you, is I'm fucking angry and I'm pissed off and I'm sick of seeing the same people making the same fucking mistakes over and over again. I'm sick of people losing their shit and taking it out on totally the wrong fucking people over and over again. I'm sick of hearing... The same old bullshit from the same old fucking snake oil merchants. I'm sick of it. I really am. But I don't know how to fix it myself without somehow getting a hold of firearms and a tank. I, But at the same time, I don't know if perhaps there's another way of dealing with this that doesn't involve violence at all. But anyway... Uh, I'm nearly at the hour mark, and rather than keep you guys hooked on for another 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes of me ranting and raving and spitting into the mic about how pissed off I am with the with the with the way things are and how I wanna I wanna tear my way out of it, I wanna fight it, I wanna I wanna I want them strung up from lampposts, I want them to fucking pay. I'll let New Model Army do it for me. Um, this is vengeance. Thank you. 